Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome back. It's Thea Vento here, and you're listening to the British Whisperer, the place to be to know which stories are making the headlines and learn the English you need. I'm really excited to help you improve your English in an interesting and engaging new way. With this podcast, you can hear the news you need to know by practicing your listening skills and learning new vocabulary, as well as many phrases and expressions that are in everyday use. This podcast is great for intermediate students trying to expand their listening and vocabulary skills to advanced students looking to build a more current use of English. Plus, on the podcast website, thebritishwhisperer.com, you can find a link to the podcast webpage with full transcript of each episode and its translation in Italian. In this podcast, I'll be discussing a lot of different topics covered on British and American newspapers, find out what's the buzz, and tell you what's the meaning of new trendy words and so on. You're welcome to suggest topics you would like to hear about by writing me an email at thebritishwhisper@writeme.com. Ready to learn some new English today? In this third episode of the British Whisperer, I'm going to focus first on Italian elections and gather for you the most interesting coverage, in other words, broadcast or written news about something, of foreign British and American newspapers on the new Italian Prime Minister. Secondly, I'm going to talk briefly about a new trend in London where Thursdays are the new Fridays. What's that about? Well, be sure to listen all the way through for details. And I will conclude the program with some idioms and phrasal verbs about work. Are you burning the candle at both ends or going the extra mile? Listen until the podcast ends to find out. Let's start with a press review of the Italian elections. Here is the background. On Sunday, September 25th, Italians voted for the first time in almost five years. The elections came after the national unity government of Prime Minister Mario Draghi, a darling, in other words, the favorite, of the European establishment, who is widely credited with increasing Italy's credibility and influence, collapsed amid a revolt in his coalition. Sunday's elections produced the first government in history led by a woman, Giorgia Meloni, leader of the party Fratelli d'Italia, or Brothers of Italy, as foreign newspapers have renamed the party, a hard-right party with post-fascist roots. The Conservative Alliance, made by the coalition composed by Fratelli d'Italia, Silvio Berlusconi's party Forza Italia, and Matteo Salvini's Lega or Northern Bay's League Party has won around 44% of the vote for both houses of the parliament. The triumph of Giorgio Meloni made the first pages of all major international media. Let's see how one of the most renowned American newspapers followed the news. The New York Times dedicated a full section of his e-paper and app to elections in Italy, with several sub-headings focusing on what to know, who's Giorgia Meloni, and more. New York Times' first page headline on September 26th reads, 
Giorgio Meloni wins voting in Italy in a breakthrough for Europe's hard right. Above, a cheerful picture of the new Italian PM holding a sign with written on it. Grazie Italia. Italy turned a page of European history on Sunday by electing a hard-right coalition led by Giorgia Meloni, whose long record of bashing, or in other words, heat art, the European Union, international bankers and migrants has sown, in other words, from the past participle of sow, or to fill with seeds, concern about the nation's reliability, or in other words, trust being reliable. In the Western Alliance, writes the New York Times. From the Italians has arrived a clear indication Mrs. Meloni, known for her crescendoing or rising rhetoric and cult of personality, said in a victory speech at nearly 3 a.m. in the morning. A clear indication for the centre-right to guide Italy. After saying she had suffered through a violent electoral campaign filled with unfair, or in other words, unjust, attacks, Mrs. Meloni spoke about reciprocal respect and recreating trust in the institutions. She posed flashing a victory sign. We are at the starting point, she said, adding, Italy chose us and we will never betray it. The Italian electorate had not moved to the right, political scientists said, but instead, again, resorted to a perennial desire for a new leader who could possibly, and providentially, solve all of its ills or problems. And Mrs. Maloney found herself in the right place at the right time, writes Jason Horowitz on the New York Times. Mrs. Meloni has won voters over with a down-to-earth, in other words, practical and pragmatic, and straight-talking, in other words, direct, immediate, manner. She often speaks in Roman dialect, writes the Times. But the secret to her popularity has less to do with her personality or policy proposal than that she was essentially the lone leader of a major party to stay in the opposition during the national unity government of Mario Draghi. That allowed her to campaign in a country that is perennially looking for someone new as a fresh face, even though she has been in parliament for nearly two decades and was a minister in a past government. Such a feat, or in other words an achievement, seemed unimaginable not so long ago. And to pull it off, or in other words, to succeed in doing it, Mrs. Maloney is balancing on a high-stakes wire. In other words, she's walking, finding equilibrium on a piece of metal cable with great risks. Persuading her hard-right base of patriots that she hasn't changed, while seeking to convince international skeptics that she's no extremist, that the past is the past, not a prologue, and that Italy's mostly moderate voters trust her, so they should too.
In last week's coverage of Italy's election, the New York Times offered some really interesting articles with curiosities about Mrs. Meloni, such as an article named Hobbits and the Hot Right, How Fantasy Inspires Italy's Potential New Leader at the time, of course. Giorgio Meloni, the nationalist politician who is the frontrunner to become Prime Minister, sees The Lord of the Rings as not just a series of novels, but also a sacred text. Giorgio Meloni, at the New York Times in this article, used to dress up as a hobbit. Mrs. Meloni first read Tolkien at age 11. She became a fantasy fanatic. As a youth activist in the post-fascist Italian social movement, she and her fellowship of militants with nicknames like Frodo and Herbert revered, or in other words adored, the Lord of the Rings and other works by the British writer G.R.R. Tolkien. But in Italy, the Lord of the Rings has for a half century been a central pillar, or in other words a column, that holds upon which descendants of post-fascism reconstructed a hard-right identity. Looking to a traditionalist mystic age for symbols, heroes and creation made free of fascist taboos. I think that Tolkien could say better than us what conservatives believe in, she said. I don't consider the Lord of Rings fantasy. Meloni's supporters have interpreted her calls, in other words, requests, to defend Italy from mass migration and the replacement of native Italians by invaders as a battle cry to protect Middle Earth. Time to look now at what the British newspapers have to say. Italy opts for Mrs. Wright is the leading headline of the Daily Telegraph in the front page of the newspaper above a smiling picture of Mrs. Meloni when she cast her ballot. In other words, she voted yesterday. Meloni's victory will reignite eurosceptic conservatism is the main headline in the opinion section of the newspaper, which makes an analysis on the looks with the other far-right parties in Europe. The article says, this month a hard-right group founded by neo-Nazis and skinheads became the largest party in Sweden's likely governing coalition. In France, this year, the far-right leader Marine Le Pen, for a second consecutive time, reached the final round of presidential elections. In Spain, the hard-right Vox, a party closely aligned with Mrs. Meloni, is surging, or in other words, writing. The Daily Telegraph writes, Mrs. Meloni party's focus on culture, identity, immigration and anger at Brussels offers a new model for right-wing parties to follow. Although there are currently no initiatives for countries to leave the EU, the desire to take back control or to obtain get back expressed by Brexit is growing across Europe and forms a central theme in Meloni's political narrative. Promises to toughen up, or in other words, reinforce, Italy stunts, in other words, the viewpoint on illegal immigration, tighten controls on foreign investments and emphasize 
Christian culture in social policy. Owe, in other words, as adapt to, much to eurosceptic regimes in Hungary and Poland. The Times of London headline says, Italy's election results. Giorgia Meloni is set to become first female prime minister as voters lurch, or in other words, move suddenly right. And the newspaper offers interesting graphs and charts with the vote share or percentage party by party. After the brothers took only 4% at elections in 2018, Meloni was seen by voters as a new leader to try out. She stayed in a position over the course of Zitali previous three governments, during which parties formed coalitions, argued, in other words, discussed or fight, undermined, so damaged, and brought them down. For a politician best known for a red-faced, high-decibel yelling, or in other words, shouting, at rallies, a rally is a public meeting to support or oppose someone or something, Giorgio Meloni's victory speech in the early hours of Monday was amazingly composed and calm, offering a glimpse, or in other words, a brief sight or look, of a lesser-known sides of Italy's first female prime minister in waiting. Tom Kinton writes. In a previous article of September the 12th, the Times published a piece on Mrs Meloni with this headline, Star of the right steals limelight, in other words, fame or stage lighting, in Italy's election. Let's get to see what the economic newspapers have to say on the matter. The Financial Times writes on his first page on Monday, 26 September, polls point to Meloni's victory. Opinion polls suggested that voters were likely to deliver a decisive mandate to a right-wing coalition led by Giorgia Meloni of the Brothers of Italy party. She would become the country's first female prime minister. She must deal with surging energy prices, pan-European political tension fueled or supported by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and high levels of public debt. In last week's coverage of the Financial Times, an article named Meloni, the Far-Right and Europe, the economic newspapers spoke about the need of a good relationship between Europe and Italy, writing, both Rome and Brussels need the relationship to function. The Wall Street Journal of Monday morning also insists on the financial and economic meaning of Meloni's victory, saying, the likely right-wing government will face difficult decisions over how to protect Italian households and businesses from sky-high prices for electricity and natural gas. Italy's high government debt of roughly 150% of gross domestic product, combined with its weak long-term growth record, makes it vulnerable to bond market sell-offs or in other words, rapid sales, if investors lose confidence in Rome's fiscal policies and dependent on the European Central Bank to keep its bond yields stable. Aware that any adverse reaction by bond investors could further hurt Italy's economic outlook, Mrs Meloni asserts to reassure 
financial market that the government led by Brothers of Italy would seek to maintain fiscal discipline. She has vowed to help Italians cope with, or deal with, energy bills and the cost of living, but also to avoid a spending spree that further raises Italy's significant national debt. The outcome or result, if confirmed, is a personal triumph for the 40-year-old Mrs. Meloni, who has sought to end Italy's recent history of technocratic government. The last issue, or last available publication of The Economist, prophetically wrote, The brothers are coming, and ends its article saying, Are the brothers really prepared for the messy, compromise necessitating business of running a country? Only time will tell, dear listeners. So, what are your thoughts on Italy's election and results? Are you happy about Mrs. Meloni's government? To share your thoughts with me, writing an email to the British Whisper at writeme.com or direct mail me on my Instagram page, The British Whisper. Time now to look at British culture and the new trend of Thursdays really are the new Fridays, as an article of the Financial Times announces. You might wonder, what's this all about? Well, we are talking about a four-day week and about work patterns or arrangement configurations in UK. In the past months, companies and offices in the UK have tried a new working arrangement that sets Thursday as the last working day in the office of the week. On Friday, you may work from home. Hooray, many would say, wouldn't they? <laughs> well... The world's largest trial of the four-day week has been going for more than two months here in the UK, and some of the early results are encouraging. Extremely promising, or likely to do well, says one of the emails on the matter that have flooded my inbox this month. Life-changing, said the manager, whose bank is among the 70-odd companies taking part in the six-month experiment. The streets of London increasingly made it look as if the four-day week is already here. So, what is happening in London? Well, it is possible to witness the four-day week enthusiasm by looking at pubs on Thursdays. Before the pandemic, the need to dodge or avoid crowds of enthusiastic drinkers spilling out or to fall or run some liquid over the edge of a container onto the streets, was generally greatest on Friday evening. But, as more flexible hybrid office working has persisted, the pubs have become noticeably busier on Thursdays. Thursdays are the new Fridays, definitely, says Intamenina, assistant manager at the Red Lion pub, that I stop by most evenings. And pubs, as a result, have increased their waiters and staff on Thursdays. It has five or six staff on duty on Thursdays, but only three or four on Fridays, Menina told me last week, adding other pubs nearby had adopted similar staffing patterns. Tuesday, Wednesdays and Thursdays are still by far the most popular days for people to work in the office instead of at home. 
a survey of nearly 80,000 employees in 13 countries showed last week. The Friday slowdown is also reflected in London underground numbers. Transport officials say people are using less the tube on Fridays to go out for a night in the town, but commuters or people who are travelling from home to workplace numbers are clearly lower. Walkers themselves seem happy for this to continue. And you? Would you like to work from home on Fridays? Let me know by writing at the British Whisper page on Instagram or sending me an email at thebritishwhisper at rightweek.com. Time now for some work collocations and phrasal verbs. Here they are. Keep up the good work. Continue the good work. Basically, the company boss was pleased with their staff and told them to keep up the good work. It's an example phrase. To work for peanuts. Work for very little money. I'm sick of working for peanuts. Yeah, you definitely should be. <laughs> to work something out. To find a solution to a problem. Don't worry, it will all work out. Donkey work. What's that? It's hard work requiring no skills. It told me to move all these bricks. I always get the donkey work. And here are two ways to say I'm working very hard. I am burning the candle at both ends. This means that you are staying up late into the night and getting up early to start on the work in the morning. To go the extra mile. When someone goes the extra mile, they do more than is expected. So, are you burning the candle at both ends? Are you going the extra mile? Let me know. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. On the podcast website, you can find a link to the podcast page with the full transcript in Italian and in English. If you enjoy my show, please hit subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss any other episodes. If you enjoy this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, Please subscribe and leave a rating and a review. To stay up to date with The British Whisper, you can follow me on Instagram at The British Whisper and spread the word. You're welcome to share any feedback, thoughts or ideas, writing me an email on thebritishwhisper at writeme.com. And I hope that you can take some valuable information from this episode and apply it into your English learning. Be sure to come back next week for a new episode. Next time, the focus will be on TikTok and Be Real, the trendiest social media channels currently, and what is happening around them. These and much more to come on the British Whisper next episode. Until then, I'm Thea, and this is the British Whisper.